It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to this week's Kalon S Rugby podcast. Fortnight ago, a little bit more, we brought you a comprehensive deep dive of the EPCR and then previewed the season's tournament. But as we reach the halfway stage of the pool stages, I've assembled a, a strong duo panel of experts to shine some sometimes harsh and sometimes nice t- tinted light on each of the four Irish provinces. Join me to discuss the pool stage action so far, the next duo. And we have a new Christmas cap to hand out, like in the Premier League. Joining me for the first time is Ulster fan and community radio host, Adam Latham. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. And like all experimental teams, we need an old head to guide them through it. When that failed, I called upon Keenan Willow. <laughs> Keen, <laughs> welcome back. Uh, thanks for having us, Kenneth. It's an old dog with a hard road, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, we won't get into old dogs with a hard road in case it goes down a different line, considering the week that it was. <laughs> I'm already dosed with a flu, as you can probably hear. It's it's been it's been a rough week. It's it's like that meme about like oh it's only Monday. Uh, it's been a long week, guys. But as always, before we kick off, I'd like to remind our YouTube viewer, viewers that you can listen to us wherever you wherever you want on the go, wherever you get your podcast, and vice versa. If you want some um, well some visual representation of our of our three lovely faces, you can get us on YouTube as well. We'll work in order of the rounds, and we'll probably take it. A little bit of a lighter look on round one first because it was bleak. Only one win from four in the opening weekend. That came from Leinster and that is where we will start a first ever win in La Rochelle or against La Rochelle through the wind and rain on the French coast. Keen, it was said that Leinster needed to win that game from a emotional standpoint, I suppose. And they did. And it's kind of hard to find fault with them. Yeah, but before, before we go any further, Kaylon, I just want to promise you that Despite however I sound for the rest of this pod, I take no pleasure in any of uh, what we're going to talk about throughout it. So I think to keep everything above the waterline, I'm going. I think we should agree a safe word for you, Kalon. So 
Do you have any suggestions for a safe word you'd like to I feel, use? I feel like you have a suggestion that you're going to fire at me. No, 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 no. Let's oh, go with pineapples. Oh, pineapples, pineapples is your safe word, okay? So if, if I go too far with it, just say pineapples, I'll stop. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty significant win over La Rochelle, all right? It was absolutely 100% needed at this point. You know, it's uh, it's a, it, it's a, it's three horrible heartbreaking losses. Um, and, you know, as Leinster fans, we are not used to those. Um except against La Rochelle and yourselves now thanks thankfully for last season uh but yeah, yeah, three, Jack Crowley. <laughs> yeah two finals in a semi as well uh from for La Rochelle and so yeah to say this is needed is an understatement uh it was absolutely horrendous conditions there on the day um as we can as any watching it anyway definitely saw um they took an early lead with a penalty from Anton Hostoy um um but Leinster responded with the only try of the match from Jordan Larmer converted by Harry Byrne uh, who did well on the day and then Frawley added three crucial penalties as well who also did well on the day there's a bit, been a bit of that going about between the two of them uh it's pretty error strewn uh lots of handling errors in the rain um early sin bins from McCarthy and Dante for the Shamozzle and related activities. Um, I think it was kind of needed to haul off one from each side to try and get some control on it. Because frankly, this is it was one of the most physical club games I think I've possibly ever watched. Um, it was everyone was getting absolutely stuck in at the rook, um, which was kind of nice to see from a Leinster supporter side of things because it was, uh, I have to say, from the last three meetings, it kind of felt a little bit one-sided. So uh, it was good to see some parity being hit there. Um, James Ryan, Caelan Doris, the key for that physicality of the Rook. Uh, Will Connors was an inspired selection um, to start. I hadn't seen it coming, I have to say. Uh, but yeah, it worked. He, he kept Skelton and the other heavy carriers chopped down on the ground. Um, really kept them quiet. Um Fullbacks had a really hard go of it that day. Uh, both, both, both Keenan and Doulan were, especially Doulan, frankly, were absolutely uh, amazing given the weather conditions. It's a hard enough job uh, with the level of kicking that was going to be going on anyway, but um, especially with that weather on top of it, you you wouldn't want it. Um, Ryan gave a nod towards Nienaber's influence on the team's defence afterwards, um, and it does look like he is having an impact uh, on the way Leinster's defence is shaping up this season. Um, although the form outside of this match is calls for a little bit of uh, worry in terms of unforced errors. Um, and a little kind bit of looking past the results, I think, is where the, the issue... Like, it's eight wins in a yeah. row, but it's not been pretty oh, yeah. in any of them. No, no. And I mean, like, I don't mind winning ugly, but... It's just the... It's not very Leinstertainment, is <laughs> We don't use that word. Uh... <laughs> Unless we got blue glasses. Blue Leinster glasses and a brown Thomas bag. Yeah, we don't use that word. Yeah, no, let's not. Let's not. Um, yeah, it's just it's less than convincing at times. Um, it's a little bit disjointed. Um, but not disjointed in this game whatsoever. But there was very little focus on ball and hand attack so I don't know if it was because there was such an emphasis on the kicking game anyway they were able to concentrate more on the defensive side um, trying to implement that new system um, but it certainly worked in this case and yeah gave us a win three years in the making 
I'm sure if you had the opportunity to take either the semi-final or one of the two finals or winning in La Rochelle, you'd obviously take winning in La Rochelle in the in the first round of the pool stages. <laughs> of course. I would trade that for a cup in a heartbeat. Of course I would. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Star. Um, <laughs> Adam, very impressive win for, for Leinster, as we said, in, in that game. And mm-hmm. I suppose they got the monkeys off their back, but as Keane said, they didn't play necessarily spectacularly. But I suppose what was probably better for Leinster is some of the lesser-known heroes stood up that day. Kieran Frawley was one of them. And a certain man named Hugo Keenan, if you've ever heard of him, was phenomenal oh, on the night. Yeah. yeah, I think when it comes to um, sort of Kieran Frawley um, at the minute, um, is he going to be a 10? Is he going to be a 15? Um, Hugo Keenan setting in 15. Like, he's... Hugo Keenan for me is probably it it's pretty hard to go past him even for the next World Cup to be a fifteen. Um I think he's proved himself time and time again and even in the last World Cup he's just been absolutely incredible. It's sort of the the issue I find with um Frawley is that it it's just that I think there's two different sets of thinking between coaches. We've got Andy Farrell on one side, wants him to be a 10, and Leo Cullen that sort of plays him anywhere bar 10. Um, it's an interesting case. Um, and I just feel like, I don't know, I I, I think Kieran Frawley needs to, to find a position fast and he needs to settle in that position because, to be honest, um, I said about over the week about spreading talent among provinces, it might just come to a point where if he is going to be a ten, is he going to start on? Uh, is he going to start in front of Sam Pendergast? Is he not in the future? Is he going to have to go to somewhere like Connet Monster? Or well, is it, well, Monster have got Frawley. Um, Ulster probably need him. This is going to be my first sort of remnants of um, Ulster need players. Please help me. <laughs> but like, like they're sort of like I feel like all provinces need to have a balance of. A balance, and I feel like Leinster at the minute, their sort of machine is running so, so, so well. And the fact that you just have so many back rows coming through, you've got Deegan, who's a, a man on a mission. You had Scott Penny, who's uh, like always just consistent. You've got Hugo Keenan, who came through the seven system, but he naturally came right back into 15s so effortlessly. But it just seems like Leinster's conveyor belt just keeps on going and going and going, which is it must be a lovely thing as a Leinster supporter. And as an Ireland fan, I love it. As an Ireland fan, I love it. But it's just like where it's sort of like a help and a hindrance to these guys, I, I think, in terms of like in that big game plays, who are you going to play at 10 right there? There's a big Johnny Sexton gap. You've got Harry Byrne, Ross Byrne. You've got Sam Pendergrass and you've got Kieran Frawley. Who are you going to rely to make that big game play? Yeah, you've got so, four. You've got four. Like Ross Byrne at the moment. It's Ross. It's, it's, yeah. it's Ross Byrne. It's Ross, yeah. The, yeah. The one thing I would say about Frawley is, um, we have seen again with Never, I think coming in more of a shift towards six two system, um, yeah. and in that, uh, Frawley is on the bench ahead of mm-hmm. uh, Harry, because Frawley covers. Yeah, yeah I think I th- center. You tell you Yes. Yeah. So he could actually see more game time 
off of the bench and possibly a 10, possibly not a 10 at any given time. Mm. But um, it's not like you need to start for Leinster to get into the Ireland squad, and that's in no way is a dig, but it is kind of the way it's it's been. Like you don't have to be an instant starter; you yeah. just kind of have to be showing Himself. that you're doing something. Um, but then at the same time, he is what twenty six years of age. He's got one international cap. Like yeah. eventually, you do have to make a decision: Are you going to sit around mm-hmm. on the bench and hopefully break into an Ireland squad, or are you going to try and be the man somewhere else? I think that's. The question he's probably asking himself because it is a contract year. You know, yeah. if everyone has those ambitions, you'd imagine oh, yeah. anyway, at the top level, that yeah. they want to be that guy. One mm. guy who is that guy, I won't get on to this game next, is Finn Russell. Him and Bath, head coach, Johan van Graan, of course, van Graan, stole the show. Bath thumping Ulster in the wreck, and, and Adam doesn't need reminding, Keane doesn't need reminding, no one does. A rudderless show, I suppose, Adam, but. Like really, at that point, it was what three losses in a row, and it just looked bleak for Ulster. It, it is very bleak. I feel like we had a very good first fifty, and I feel like for the two games beforehand, it was the same. Have a good first fifty, and then for some reason, just click and just fall apart, like completely. Um, Finn Russell was unbelievable. Um, he, I think they've shown why he was signed for that much money. Isn't he the top, like, well, one of the top paid play- players in the Premiership? Yeah, he is. Coming from Racing to uh, Bath, who were struggling last year, and now all of a sudden are this all, like, not a complete unit just yet. Like, they were linked to Snyman, and they were linked to Ardell as well. Um, it, Yeah, it was just, it was just purr. Like, my opinion of Ulster at the minute is that, um, like, Dan McFarlane came out that week saying about there was issues in training and, um, you know, they didn't train. And from my opinion, there's, like, it comes from the top down and there's something up with the coaching system that isn't quite working, whether we're focusing more on malls than anything else to score tries, because there was a good two years where we were just scoring tri-mall mall tries, and Tom Stewart was the top try scorer in the URC, which I quite liked. Tom Stewart's really good, but there's part of me that thinks that we lack in um, big game, like uh, players having big, big game experience. I think Nathan Doak was a little bit slow at the Rocks, um, uh, like I, I feel like there is like a, an essence of him being quite slow with the rocks. Um, I also feel like Hitsoff was still settling in, um, as well. Whether whether or not there's still a World Cup hangover at that time when when it did came into the bath situation, I don't know because I'm sure we're going to talk about Rem too because there was certainly a night and day fixture there. Um, some people even I, I saw on Twitter were like jokingly blaming it on the fact that we've got a four G pitch there. We were playing on mud again. Um, I I can't say that for sure, but I just feel like we were we looked tired as soon as it hit sixty minutes. We just looked tired, and we looked we looked like the game was won by fifty minutes, and then we just shrugged off. We shrugged off tackles. And I feel like that's been an issue for the last two years is our defense. It, it it I we went from having Jared Payne as a defense coach and our defense was quite good and our attack seemed really spot on with Dwayne uh, Dwayne Peel. And now we have this sort of system where it almost looks like we don't use our backs enough. 
like we don't really use, we don't utilize our backs. Like we had Rob Balakun a couple of years ago scoring a hat trick against Toulouse, and we're us winning in Toulouse to the next week, not using him at all. And then since then, we we haven't really been utilizing him enough. I feel like Balakou needs to be well. Our back three needs to be uh, utilized more. You can have Stuart Murren at fifteen, Mike Laurian at fifteen, or Will Addison at fifteen. I quite like Stockdale just staying in eleven, so I'm not going to put him in that f- sort of fullback sphere. But I feel like, and also in the centers as well, Human McCluskey. It, we just need to utilize the backs more. I feel like our forward pack isn't one of the biggest European packs. I feel like we're 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 sort of those this on the smaller side of packs, and, and they want to play like a big course. team, which is the which is the yeah. head scratcher. Like, why do you have? Yes. Balakun, Stockdale. I, I really like Stuart Moore as a fifteen personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, McCluskey, Hume. That's an outrageous back five of mm-hmm. your backline, and you play a a twelve man attack. Um, like you look at the quarter final against Connacht last year, they tried to bully Connacht into submission. Jacob Stockdale was the only back who did anything in that game, mm-hmm. and Connacht just went no, not having it. Yeah, and that literally lost them a URC quarter final and a chance of a home semi final. Yeah, I, I feel like it was so frustrating because what um Ulster do is we've got Billy Burns at the minute, in my opinion, as a 10. I feel like he's been injured for the last three years. He always sort of hobbles. The um last he has uh, that like look a season about him. or two. Oh yeah, but like there was a season or two where all he did was sort of hobble on one leg and we just kept on playing him. We had a we had a few weeks. We had a few weeks last year. Sorry, my headphones are breaking. I'm getting new ones at Christmas. so um, <laughs> We can still hear you. That's yeah. all that matters. That's grand. Um, we, we, had a few, we had a few weeks last year where all we did was play Billy and he wasn't fit. And I feel like we're starting to see a, a massive knock on from that because we had, we had Jake Flannery. Um, we have him. And coming into this week, uh, Billy's injured. Jake's going to be in for a big game. You know, we don't really have the depth in the back line. Like, we have the depth past 10. Like, after 10 down to 9, we don't really have that depth. We have Billy Burns and Jake Flannery at 10. Mike Laurie, who is supposed to be the next big 10, but we but McFarlane moved him to 15. It worked, but at the minute, he's looking a bit off. Um, our nines we have Cooney and Doak and at the minute Doak's in favour but I, I just felt like he was slow and I feel like he needs just way more experience to just push on and we, we are a nine, we, we play off nine a lot, we play off nine way, like, uh, way too much for my liking in terms of as I said before, small pack act like a big pack um, when we don't have Henderson it's almost like we have we have a way smaller pack because Henderson leads from the front. We yeah. need Henderson, and of course, his injury record. We haven't really seen him uh, uh, as much for Ulster as we do for Ireland. But when we still play with the likes of O'Connor and Treadwell, still trying to bang up the middle like Henderson would, and not quite getting there, it's frustrating because there, you've got you've got a pack like Baths, and they will just bully us off the ball like completely. It's it's the number one rule. You have to play to your strengths. Like it's yeah. I, it's the one thing that kind of makes you want to shake that Ulster coaching staff. Like you have players who are good at one thing, and yet you're playing players that are playing a game plan that suits like one out of every four or five players on the twenty three. Yeah. Like that just doesn't work in the professional no. game. And 
listen, they, they did get the job done against Racing. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. against a site like Bath, who, yeah. yeah, they've got explosive ball carriers. We'll give them that, like Ollie Lawrence in particular. Oh, yeah. And they're a solid outfit. But like for Ulster to just be blown off the park yeah. at the end, it's, it's just not good enough. I think at the start of the season, I was looking to get, rather than two home wins, two away wins. On paper, we were looking to get two home wins, like the two English sides away. Our sort of history in England over the past 10 years has been brilliant. Like we we beat we beat Bath the last time we played them. We beat Bath the last like three times we played them in at the wreck. I feel like Bath is always one of those teams that we shouldn't have been as frightened of coming into it just because because in everyone's head there is just the Finn Russell factor and Finn Russell um, will drive along this team and he did because the forwards gave him the the chance to. Whereas Ulster setup is that. It's forwards or nothing. The forwards will set it up for the forwards, and it's sometimes it will pass it to the backs, and sometimes Billy will crossfield kick it. But it's every once in a blue moon now. Like I remember at the very start of Billy coming into Ulster, it used to be cross kick after cross kick, nice backs rugby. But now it's just forwards, forwards, kick to the corner, lose the line out. Like the line out's been such a big issue this year as well. Which I don't understand if that's maybe coming from the Ireland camp because Tom Stewart and Rob Herring were in the Ireland camp. Maybe it's a uh, uh, over the last couple of years also have had issues, but when Henderson comes into that setup again, his calling makes it ten times better. But then it's take him out of the equation again, and we just look like a shadow, a shadow in the lineouts, um, a shine out in carrying. Kitstoff um, is a massive unit, and he's going to benefit our team. I feel like Tom O'Toole as well. Athletically, he's grown, and I feel like he's he's only going to improve because he's in the Ireland setup, learning from the players. And I feel like Tom O'Toole will only get better in terms of that to to brood up and strength up. Um, I feel like Rob Herring is a is a is a good ball carrier. Like he will not back down. He will not back down. Say what you like about the man, but he won't back down. Um, Tom Stewart is another case of like Doak. I he's a really really good player. But there's always that inexperience. When you come against a big path pack, when you come against a big racing pack, or like any type of pack, like Leinster, for example, if we come against a big Leinster pack, we need sort of our stalwarts are like not to try anything. Like Dan McFarland at the minute really loves trying out new players. Whether that will work for us or not. I don't know. We are like the second most used players in the URC at the minute, one behind Leinster, um, which is incredible. It's incredible, but will that work? Has it worked? Certainly my breakout star of the season has been McCann. Like he's, but we lost him and then all of a sudden we're starting Matty Ray, which no offense to him, isn't a European flanker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the thing. And I suppose the the one thing when Ulster have Henderson and Herring in particular is yeah. yes, leadership, absolutely. They probably punch above their weight as well, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a good sign. Like and we'll get on to Munster now. Like that was probably something that we thought they could do for a while, but now under this mm-hmm. game plan where they are looking for quick ball, quick ball, quick ball, you really need to punch above your weight, especially without Klein and Dogbo, Snayman and Keane. Not having those lads was costly against Bayon because but they're bringing on the likes of Taji, who is genuinely one of the biggest rugby players you will see in the game. 
they look like they're going to outmuscle us at the end. It finished a 17-all draw. Yes, it was underwhelming, but it, it could have went the other way. It could have been a rare home defeat to a French side. Yeah, it, it could have easily been, you know. And, I mean, Munster started that game strongly, kind of as was expected, you know. The good tries from Shane McCarthy and from and from Coombs, and Coombs carrying was strong. Everything was looking good. Crowley, seven points from, from kicks in the first half. Everything was absolutely spot on. Um, and you'd normally expect the French sides to kind of maybe roll over at that point. Yeah. Um, certainly like a team that's in the tournament for the first time. Yeah. I, I feel uh, like, oh, sorry. No, no, you're grand, you're grand, you're grand. Um, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a real resilience, uh, for, for kind of a naive, uh, side in, in Europe. Um, but yeah, Taji's fucking massive. He's a huge man. I, I think I, I, Munster should get Taji. You can take Malherba and he can scrummage and he can do whatever. We'll take Taji and Connacht can get, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. That's been a big uh, conversation uh, this week about who gets who. They can get like Tom Clarkson or something. <laughs> but we'll yeah, give them the Ray brothers and then yeah. we could take Mac Hansen. That one. <laughs> Lads, you sound like you're playing a card trading game here. These are people's lives, damn it. The only people who can give no, them like they the want to. Hey. We're not reading the stats at all. We're swapping the 90 guy for the 70 guy. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I know there was a, there was a rake of... Um, Specifically forwards. I mean, Munster's injury list at the moment is heartbreaking. Even I think we sacrificed someone. We didn't know, but we sacrificed someone to win that URC. <laughs> like an actual human. Because you can't have that many injuries. Like it's literally at the moment, Dave Kilcoyne, Niall Scannell, um, I don't, Roman Salanoa. So that's a full front row. Yep. John Klain, Edwin Adogbo, Orkis Neyman, um, Peter Mahoney's out for another week or two anyway. Jack Daly's out long term. Um, there's definitely another. I feel like there's another back row. Yeah, you're close enough to an injured fifteen just from yeah. Munster alone, uh, which is yeah. frankly terrifying. Um, but I mean, it it is kind of the way um rugby is headed, unfortunately, as mm-hmm. well. But uh, everyone gets injuries. That's what they say on on provincial state of mind. Like everyone has injuries. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. this is this is what happens. Um, but to go an hour scoring three points the last sixty minutes of the game. That's that's. That's what kills you. Mm-hmm. You know, Beyond were impressive. They were good value for the comeback. Mm-hmm. But it's not scoring for an hour that killed you. Yeah. Um, and you gotta wonder, you know, you are gonna have occasions when you're gonna be down and down players. And last season was amazing for Munster. Absolutely brilliant. You know, everything clicked and this fantastic running rugby looking for space, looking for soft shoulders offloading game going everything everyone's done the analysis on that now they know to expect it so you have to have some and especially if you have a couple of injuries to key players you have to have something you can switch that up with and I, I, I don't know if that's the case and there is issues as well with the set piece work um, the, 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 the line out the, the mall the mall defence um, is another issue as well so <laughs> There are there are issues there that need to be kind of grabbed hold of, um, and you kind of wonder 
how how to approach it, how to solve it, like with with the kind of the injury list. It's mid season. There's no like the best thing that happened to Munster last year was they had a full November where Mike Prendergast ran that team. Now not ran them in terms of just doing laps. He ran so many reps into that team, mm. and they came out in the two games after and looked like an entirely different side. Yeah, they don't have that, and I think that's kind of where some of it is showing because they had to bring back in players from the World Cup and there's definitely been a few instances of World Cup hangovers. There's been injuries. Like, you look at, from a training perspective, the back line and the set-piece forwards that Munster are training against is not at the same standard it was at last year. And that yeah. does have a knock-on effect. Like, when you go from having Sneiman drilling against Witcherly to Finney and Witcherly drilling against Evan O'Connell, no disrespect to those two players, but it does have a knock-on effect. Course, and it yeah. is, Munster are a team, because of the way that they play, training reps are really important. Probably more so than, than any of the other Irish provinces, I think you could say, because of how they play. And it, it is starting to show now. And I think even in getting the likes of Mike Haley's back training, Peter Matty's doing light training, if they could get you know Joey Carberry back, John Clayne hopefully be back in January, but it's very vague, so it's not sure. Hopefully get in with a dog ball and just and you know, Roman Sanloa, Oddie Yeager up to full fitness. And then training might just improve a little bit as well. And the set piece and maybe from a leadership standpoint they'll notice more things. And it is it's always a trickle down effect in rugby. Like every team has seen it. It always just starts with one thing and becomes five and then you have to reverse engineer it. Yeah. And listen, I'm full faith in this coaching group. No doubt about it. Like they've, oh yeah, oh Jesus, they deserve yeah. that. They've earned oh, that. But yeah. it it's does take of... time, and it's the wrong part of the season yeah, as well. That's it, I think because you of... have to. You literally, it is IRFU policy that you're supposed to be chopping a change at this time of year. Yeah, and given mm-hmm. rest, it's kind of ends the breaks, and the World Cup hangover thing is definitely real. We've seen it um, across all four. I, I think we got all, so oh, yeah. caught up uh, in the French teams. Like yeah. we got so caught up in how well Ireland did relatively um, at the mm. World Cup. And how well the provinces did last year, yeah. where we were guaranteed, well, we weren't guaranteed it, but we we had three out of three teams in the semifinals, considering, yeah. you know, there was an inter-pro quarter, that we kind of forgot that Irish teams have a tendency to struggle in World Cup years. And maybe yeah. there's just a little bit of that that you can't put your finger on. Doesn't mean none of these teams will not win at them. I'm not going to say that like was said last year. But sometimes it is just things like that that they're just, you can't account for. You really can't. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend too much time on Munster because this wasn't their bigger of the two games. So, Adam, like, Connacht were more or less the same on the opening yeah. night of the tournament. Talk about a rabbit cotton headlights. Like, I think they expected the old Bordeaux to turn up. Instead, yeah. it is Damien Pedo with a bottle of wine in one hand, a cigarette in the other, saying, fucking Jouet, lads. And Connacht were ravaged. It was, it was phenomenal for Bordeaux, yeah. but for Connacht... You can't get to four to five points at home. No, I I don't think you can at all. I don't think any of the provinces could afford to do that, especially in the Champions Cup. Um, I it was an insane score. I Peno just does what Peno wants at the minute. He, he's relatively untouchable. He's almost sort of like at the minute, like what Chelsea and Colby was in twenty nineteen, absolutely unstoppable. He's doing everything right. 
He's about he's half the player of Henry Arundel in terms of the hype on the um the Telegraph, which is really really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Like, if if a player got a quarter of the hype, then it'd be on the level. Um, but no, you have it. You have a team with like not to not to like disrespect Connor, but you're playing a team with the two reserve scrum half and fly half for France. Yeah. They, you know, you have you have two proven players with Peno. Um, their full backline was incredible. Um, just cutting through, cutting through everything. Really, I I feel like Bundy was a massive loss. Um, would he have changed much in it? And um, he might have he might have shown more leadership. Um, sort of in keeping the head, uh, on everyone. I know Bundy was playing. Oh. This is, what I, this is what I show. Yeah. This is what I show. But this is the, the first podcast. I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like, um, yeah, there's just cuts of pieces. I, I I couldn't believe it when I saw the score myself. Um, especially on a going out west, west of Ireland, you would expect French teams to struggle. Every team struggles. Um, it, almost it's like Connets playing. It Connets. Like sixteenth man is the wind, like any type of weather forecast that comes to them, even if it's dry, I feel like French teams can never handle that. Ulster can never handle it. Um, we always sort of struggled with it. It just, yeah, it's just big sort of issues. Um, in terms of even set piece as well, I feel like the three provinces that lost that week showed a massive issue in set pieces, and is that a World Cup hangover? I agree. It it possibly is. Is it sort of like, is it players coming in to try and implement what they've learned from the IRFU system and changing it completely to a, a forward coach who doesn't follow the IRFU system and wants to input their own game into things, maybe confusing things? Yeah. I don't know. It It's it's a head scratcher. It's, yeah, it just... The, the bottom line for that kind of forwards was it just wasn't good enough. I think no. even... And most pundits, not not the most pundits watch Connacht, even if they say they do. Most pundits who talked about this game and compared it to the Saracens game was kind of like, well, they actually played for 80 minutes against Saracens. They just got outgunned in not even a gunslinger game, but essentially an 80-minute sevens game. It kind of developed into. But the first game, they just went into their shells, and that never happens in Galway either. Like, that's the thing. It never happens to them. The heads dropped, and like, I don't want to be too critical of a Connacht side that I'm, you know, I think they they certainly punch above their weight, but they do have a tendency every season where they just have two or three games where you're just wondering what's going on in the top six inches. Like we've seen it against, was it Edinburgh two or three years ago? We've seen it once or twice last year as well. It's like, you just can't afford that if you're going to be a consistent team. Yeah. And I, I do think that iron it out, but again, Keen, like you do have to question things a small bit. Like, yeah, it's grand that Pete Wilkins brushes aside questions about mentality, but he's not going to say, "Oh yeah, mentally we weren't there and Bordeaux were shit." Like, no, hmm. yeah, yeah, that's McFarland's job. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. from the top rope. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, yeah, they're not going to get thrown under the bus by the coach in that in in that way. Um, but you do have to question it, like it, it's. It's such a consistent theme with Connacht over so many years now across coaches, 
across playing groups, you kind of, it gets to a stage where really the one year you weren't able to throw that question at them at all was the year they won the uh, Pro 14. Yeah. And to a slight degree last year, I think last year it was better, but they did have performances like the Benetton game away where you're just thinking, lads, there's a home final up for grabs yeah. and you've just coughed it away against Newcastle and Benetton. Like that that's I, where you do question things. I, I feel like they're sort of like um sorry to put this again, but in my experience of watching Ulster in that sort of weird 2013-2014 Ulster where they have the players, they have a good quality players, but they have maybe two or three wins in a year that is like a quality and that's what they should be playing, but then they lose to the likes of Zebra. It, it, I don't know if it's a complete mentality thing or if it's a new coaching thing. Um, but like for me, I feel like Connett, it almost should be what they look back on at the end of the season and think, you know, it's either worked well for their season because it's a springboard into what they can do differently. And I feel like when we talk about round two, they certainly did something different there. Um, they still conceded the points and there still was issues in defence, but, you know, they they still scored points. Um, It's just interesting. And I don't really want to, like, hinder upon it at all because of this week. Um, I don't want any of the comments to hit, fall back on me at all. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's an interesting one. Would not be surprised if we see Connacht go up and get a bonus point in Belfast in like a thirty that. to twenty <laughs> game. Like it could easily, it could easily. I'm, I'm not oh, being. It could happen. It could I'm happen. not even winding you up. Like it could happen because no, no, Connacht are that could. kind of side, and so are Ulster. Yeah. Um. Uh, we. Yeah. One last point. Go on. Uh. Yeah. No. We're two. We're we're two similar teams, and I know we have a. I know we have a World Cup winner, but I don't think that changes the fact that uh, overall, you know. An overall team, you know, from one World Cup winner, I, I just don't know. Well, Connacht have two of the top five best twelves in the world in twenty twenty three, according to Opta. Yeah. So you, you know, like no excuses, lads. Carl Ford is better than, um, he's better than Robbie Henshaw. He's better than any English twelve, any Welsh twelve. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yes. And like Stewart had a fantastic year. But I suppose when you only play nine man rugby, it's kind of, it's kind of hard for twelve to to stand out. <laughs> we'll move back to Munster coincidentally just because I think it is the big result of last weekend I think it's fair to say like there is no reality it doesn't matter if it's Munster or if you're watching a J1C side in which you can excuse Gupring a 14 point lead yes it was away to Exeter yes Exeter got very very lucky they certainly got the, the bounce of the ball quite literally but Keane if we're going to slay Connacht for conceding 40 you have to give out about Munster being five to zero on the points table and losing out five to one. Yeah, um, it's a hard one to nail down. This it really is. It was. It was. It was like three different games. Oh yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, calling it a roller coaster would be doing it a disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, another really strong start. Another couple of really good tries, Nash. Ahern, by the way, I love Ahern. He's just, he's just brilliant. Like Ahern at six is, is just. I I don't want to be that person because I, this is, don't even mean this is hype. This is just one of those comments for the armchair fan. He's one of those players that makes rugby more fun. Yeah. Because it doesn't look yeah. like he should do the things he does. And Ryan Baird has a bit of that. 
Granted, yeah. Baird is a bit of a different build, but it just makes rugby look more fun when you've got guys like that. He was walking in that try from midfield. He wasn't sprinting. He was walking. Yeah. yeah. Now, it was I, only about three strides, yeah. but like, yeah. you know. I love those tall six kind of gangly loping runs. That's it's just one of my favourite things in rugby. It's just brilliant. It's like watching. It's like watching a giraffe trying to learn how to gallop. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it started all started off beautifully, um, and then it was the last what, twenty minutes. Uh, Exeter's bench had an impact. Twenty twenty five minutes, I think they brought on their new front row or something like that. Twenty five minutes to go. Yeah, and it and just it's... monster and only Ali Yeager on. And to be fair. That first scrum with Ali Yeager on, you could rest a pint on his back, someone yeah, said yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. It was so straight. But after that, it didn't go as well. And I think I know what point you're going to make. Again, when the pack makes a difference in the last 20 minutes, that's where it came up costly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's exact. This is that. I think that's exactly what it is. It's like, again, you're missing some forwards, but um, like, the, the the pack issues, you know, the, the scrum doesn't matter till it does, you know, to to, to quote the lads again. Can, can you send that into a certain rugby group, Keen? Because when I say it, I get fucking shot down, but like, it's true. Yeah, no, but it, it is true. But I mean, you could, you could say that at pretty much any set pieces, just most of them are kind of directly like that, you know, the line out is directly linked to the scrum is directly linked to them all. Um, but yeah, the scrum, it's 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 an odd one because it has been depowered, but yet it seems to be coming back in to importance again without really much having changed in terms of the application of the laws. It's, think, it's, think, it's a weird one. Maybe this is too much of a theory, but I think the law changes has probably brought back the technical scrummager. There's so yeah. many lads. Like you yeah. look at Oxen J, yeah. he's not the biggest prop of the world. He's a big man. Yeah. He's not the biggest. Technically, one of the most gifted scrummagers in the world. Yeah, he's possibly yeah. the he's possibly the broadest prop in the world. He's like yeah. he is literally like a barrel. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's amazing. I love him to bits, and he's a he's a really cool human being as well, which is nice to boot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we are seeing more of those kind of shorter barrel tested kind of the traditional prop shape, maybe without quite as big a uh, beer belly uh, back in my day. Bar big t- big. Ben Tamifena. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, oh, he has, <laughs> yeah. He has a proper classic <laughs> oh. physique. Um, oh. But yeah, it is, even... it's... Sorry. No, fire away, Adam. Sorry, I don't know podcast adequate quite yet. <laughs> um, Just fight with sorry. Keen is always yeah. a good rule. Harley did that before. Um, <laughs> but like, to add on to your point about the prop, technical prop, um, I like Scott Wilson bursting through the scenes at Ulster. You kind of see that he's not like the classic sort of prop build. He, he's he's quick. He's a quick prop. <laughs> he's just kind of he's a big sort of barrel. Uh, like as you say, like technical scrummagers are is the way to go at the minute. It's not all about power, which is and good. Funnily for enough, he was getting lessons. He was getting life lessons in AIL by all accounts. And, like, yeah. you do look at that monster front row, like, they should have been the ones turning the screw on a young extra front row. Like, Jeremy Luckman's internationally capped. Oli Yeager, I'd I, I, I nearly put money on it. Oli Yeager would probably be in the Six Nations squad. There's no way the RFU try and bring him back, and he's not in the Six Nations squad. Like, these yeah. lads should be the ones who are like, right, we're going to teach these lads a lesson. 
and it's not about like the passion or the bastardry about it. It's just it's true. It's like how often did you go over to France and some thirty-seven-year-old tighthead from Cast who you never heard of decides this is the day I'm going to teach this young Irish lad with freckles a lesson? Oh, normally a Georgian. Normally a Georgian. Uh, yeah, terror, true. Actually, you know what I mean, like uh, we had a Georgian in Ulster a couple of years ago, and um, his first interview was just like. I just can't wait to scrum. He never played. <laughs> he never played for us, but like he was just like, I just can't wait to scrum. I can't wait to go to the scrummaging machine. I, I think his only English words he knew was, I can't wait to, I love it, scrum. <laughs> like, is that, well, I would say is that enough monster talk? There's, there's never enough monster talk, but no. I will have a, a Red Army podcast coming this week where we will talk about the IX game in depth. I don't want to talk about it in depth, but <laughs> oh, you have to take the go with the bad, don't you? We're, we're just going to have to say one more thing before you go off this, and that was the uh, the was there was there a bit of controversy over the Conor Murray pass? Oh, I thought you were going to go on an entirely Ooh, different controversial I thing. Well. I thought it was. <laughs> no, he no, was no. offside. If you if you drew the lines, he was offside. But it's one of those if you're asking for it. He shouldn't be in that position, but he, yeah. I do think Connor was right to go for it. But as Connor, Connor will tell you himself, he's done it his whole career. Yeah, yeah. If you do, if you fuck it up, it's on you. Well, that's yeah. it. Like if you, if you I mean, absolutely, he was within his rights to, to to buy the offside penalty from there. And if it had come off, yeah, could have yeah. been genius. Yeah. And uh, have but, you seen Jack Crowley kicking for touch? Like he gets every yeah. last inch of it. Yeah. So like, there's a good chance. Now, line out had gone to pot, and Jeremy Barron was was legged at the end but you you don't know you don't want to be in a position though where you are asking the referee and I know people said oh Tygburn was winged but like to be fair the referee never once asked is the players who are slowly jogging back actually in the way so like it was a fair question in that instance but yeah, yeah. and I, I we should take a minute wow how good was Jack Crowley at the weekend like yes Monster lost yeah. but it's one of those if he yeah. got man the match in a losing team you'd probably forgive it he was yeah, he, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, was look, I've, I've been a huge fan of his um, since the under twenties. Is the first time I came across him, and just he's an incredible player. He really is. Oh. Um, I have no issues with him being number one for Ireland. Yeah. Six well, you you've you've complimented scrums and you complimented Jack Crowley. We know that you were not writing Matt Williams' um, articles for the Irish Times. That's for sure. We'll go Bye. back. To... <laughs> we'll go back to another defeat again. Another high, high scoring defeat. Connacht, as we said, I, I should say, like we've talked about, Jack Crowley intense. Owen Farrell was phenomenal for Saracens at the weekend. Oh yeah, like fifty five thirty six win. And I wrote down a PA noisy Stonex Stadium because there's no fans in there. It's literally just all pumped in. Um, like there was only like nine thousand people there. Like, as Hugh Griffin made the point on Twitter, like, one of the biggest cities in the world, a huge um, rugby appetite, loads of success. It defies logic how they don't get a good crowd, but that's for another day's conversation. Connacht, like, defensively again, Adam, like, just not enough. Like, it's four losses in a row. Yes, that is Bulls, Leinster, Bordeaux, Saracens, four potential European contenders. But... yeah. 55 points you just can't you just can't move past it um you can't um i think i i think that you could put a positive in that they did score 36 against saracens away 
I think that's a massive positive. I feel like there's a big that, that is that is the big positive from the game. Um, and if you're a Saracens fan, all three of them, um, looking at that, I'm it was it was two at the point. start of this podcast. Two, the inflation two. is kicking in here. <laughs> Well, yeah, you said um, the, the PA system, the PA guy, I forgot the count. <laughs> <laughs> but he's getting paid to be a Saracens fan. <laughs> but I would say that if you were a, a Saracens fan, you'd be you'd be positive of the fact that you you put 55 points on Connett, but I'd say you'd be more annoyed if anything. If you were, a, like, the Connett fan seems quite happy. They seemed quite happy scoring 36 points against Connett. It was sort of that attitude of, did we really expect anything else? Yeah. Um, that was that was the messages I was getting off Connacht friends. Was kind of like, yeah, we were expecting to lose and for Saracens to get a bonus point, but we did come over here and we'd not leave an empty-handed and not entirely tails between the legs. Like they went over with no Mac Hansen and Bundy played his best game for Connacht in a while. Oh, yeah, like, th- yeah, there's that kind of thing to it as well. I think Bundy getting right into form. Um, showing like how he he can play, like it, well, showing what he did against like in the World Cup for Ireland, him setting into that form again, and Mac coming back this week. Connett are are they starting to click again? Possibly. I feel like they need sort of time to sort of iron out the creases and iron out sort of the the sort of set piece issues that they would have. Um, I do love the fact that was it um. Saracen's social media posted like well done to Connit and it was just all photos of Bundy with all the Saracen players. All yeah, the all, it was like it. all of Lions. Like it's yeah. it's so cliched in its own way, but then at the same time it's kinda of like I mean I I get it. <laughs> like do you know I, what I, mean? I Bund- do get Bundy it. Bundy sells. He does, but it almost is just like, oh, you know I I, I you know, I feel like there's so much talent in that Connit team. There's so much talent in that Connacht team, and they did show it on the score sheet. But it's just their defense. If they sort out the defense, they've got the they've got the finishes now. Um, when Santi comes, well, that's gonna is that gonna change? Yeah, is that gonna change things? You know what I mean? Not Santa Claus, folks. Santi Cordero. I was gonna say one five days. <laughs> yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And they've been milking you... that in fairness as well on the social media. But anyway. Well, you know, not the worst it, social media post of the week. Anyways, I don't even said. I did mention it. I did mention it. <laughs> well, to be fair, they're getting more social media campaigning out of Santi than we did with Kitchoff in a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but like, do they need it? Do they need a wise head like Santi to come in with his with his experience? Like, I had a lot of conversation with Connacht fans this week about sort of. Um, well, I'm sure we'll get on to it at some stage about World Cup winners coming over to Ireland. And they want a big sort of figure, a big sort of leader to come into their squad. Um, And they're looking like they might need it sort of in the forward pack, possibly. um, to sort of Because I think their backs are grand. Relatively enough, their backs are... They are. They're okay. <laughs> they are. Well, yeah, you know, they're they're all right. Um. I, I can't say anything. I, I can't say anything bad about Connor because it will bite me on the arse. Okay, I'll say it so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to say something nice first. A compliment uh, which is, sandwich. Yeah. Well, there, it might be an open compliment sandwich. Uh, <laughs> um, first half, Connor did really well. 
It was 21-17 at half time, and they were good for it. Like it wasn't fluky just about hanging on. Like it was it was actually a pretty decent match. Um like I was switching between that one and uh Stormers La Rochelle. Oh yeah. Well, um, he lets your fans are obsessed with La Rochelle, huh? Isn't that it? <laughs> I'm a Stormer supporter. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I think... So I'll go I'll go get my polo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I'm obsessed with Stormers. They're like our version of La Rochelle, but in the RC. Okay. <laughs> two semifinals, two last yep. minute <laughs> Yep. So yeah, Connacht did fairly well in that first half. They really were. They put in the fight, but um they just seem to have issues with kind of connectivity and decision making in defense. And it's not just the forwards. And they've got some, you know, they've got they've got great players across. They just seem to be missing at times that kind of close-knit, cooperative understanding that you need to make a defensive system really sing. It's it's the old thing if you're if you're thinking you're losing when you're defending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not it's yeah. not that you yeah. train till you do it, yeah. it's that you train till you can't not do yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just, at times, even when they kind of had that hard-fought matches down South Africa, there were some absolute brain farts. And you're just like, that shouldn't be happening. It it really shouldn't. You should be better drilled than that, lads. Or, you, yeah. you know, you, you need to be more switched on than that. I don't know why, particularly. Um <laughs> I even think Bundy's a bit hot-headed sometimes as well when it comes to yellow cards and red cards. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Well, no. Do you know what I mean? Like, is that like sort of like a connot? Is that is that a connot issue that's tr- trickling through that sort of yeah. system? Because he's probably not the right man to be an enforcer, and I don't mean that in disrespect. Yeah. But like the fact that Gary Ringos is the bolter, um, our defensive partner means that Gary, that Bundy is just you know a normal defender. Whereas for Connacht, he's the one who's laying down a marker. And he yeah. has a tendency to go high. Now we didn't see it, and we haven't seen it this season. We haven't yeah. seen it for a while. No. We should we should stress yeah. that. Yeah, no, but no, that no. that is tied into the point that like, who's your defensive captains? Like against Bordeaux, they called forward at thirteen. Like, there's better games to give a lad his first pro game at thirteen than against yeah. that Bordeaux side. We yeah, move. Will we move on to Leinster. We can do Ulster first if you want, but like I have Leinster next on the running order. You know, can't have them come at fourth, Jesus. <laughs> also, I'm more settled at fourth. <laughs> yeah. They also had a try, well, not also, because there's been no try bonus points yet covered, but they had a try bonus point win against, it was a heavily rotated sale, but it is fair to say they, they punched above their weight as well, but they they, uh, they obviously faded away. Keen, it was one of those games that if you were, if you weren't watching and you for some reason tuned into Cardiff against Bath, you'd have thought Leinster are playing rubbish. They weren't that bad, but again, it ties into the point we made earlier. A lot of Leinster's mistakes are so obvious that it makes them probably look worse than, than they have been. Like, you could spot a knock-on from a million miles away. Yeah. Not everyone will spot a system error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's it's again, it's those it's that 1% uh, at the end of a pass or or well <laughs> the aim of the pass or the you know the run on to it it's just the, the the little mismatches in timing um which will probably hopefully come um but yeah they were really good value for this match like they were leading 13-6 and they like they've been two to two to look Lancaster had a couple of opportunities that didn't come through 
Um, but yeah, Selber really like that, that was a beautiful try from them uh in in the first half. Uh, it was Connor Doherty finished it, but Rafi Quirk, lovely little so- side of his boot, put it through. Like that's you know, that's that's a that's a through ball you'd be happy to see in the Premier League. It was absolutely on the button. While they're on the top of the Premier that Hugo Keenan um <laughs> stopping to charge your man. That was a dive that would be happy in the Premier League as well. Like <laughs> I, I tweeted it, I got no responses, no biting. But like I literally seen two dives at the weekend, and they were both English wingers. You like, it's almost like, well, why wouldn't it be? You know, it's like the soccer. Of course, it's an English winger who dives, but it that's tangential, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I in, back to one of your points from earlier. I had written off the Sharks as well to some extent. Like twelve substitutions, you know, you you'd be hard to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a heavily rotated team. They're just throwing it, but absolutely not the case. And actually, while I'm on it, the English sides have been really quite good. Like, yeah. we've talked through a couple of them now. We've not actually mentioned. They're playing quite well. And when you think about it for a second, like, you've got several teams have gone under, unfortunately, but you've got the, the best players from them have been redistributed amongst the teams, essentially, that are yeah. there. So of course they're getting better, but also like their 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 focus, I think, has been a little bit sharpened um, by all of this and opportunity to win any kind There's of stuff. A bit where of a point maybe to prove matters more now. Yeah, like you look at Northampton, for instance. Northampton so often just lie down and take their beating in Europe, but like uh, yeah. how they bet Toulon at the weekend at home was a team is like right, we're going to have a cut at this, and I think I hate to say it, like, but it's it's such a low hanging fruit. It just proves that relegation does prove a difference because they've gone to a non-relegation league, and they are. I think the coaches are starting to realize. Listen, like it's top four in the Premiership, or if we're fighting for mid-table, why wouldn't we give Europe a, a crack? Yeah, you know, yeah, like why not? That's where I, I'd actually be more disappointed in Bristol than anyone else because they're a mid-table Premiership club and they rotated before they played Bordeaux away. It's like yeah. that's kind of the game you target and just be like, right, unless you're making top four, just scratch it. Let's let's have a crack at a team. Bristol got their own problems, man. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Everyone does. Like give me one English team that doesn't have their own problems. Like um I, I, I think for Sale, blues, maybe. Honest, I, no, but uh, to be fair, Sale um I went down to the AJBL last season. Um I won't talk about the game that I went to. Um, there was a it flight did, it issue. It didn't happen. It's, it's fine. No, it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Um, it was my, it was my, my, my English girlfriend's first game, Ulster game. I brought her to, and um, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, trust me, we're normally we're all right. We're we're okay. We won't get beat like this. Um, but I think Sale is one of those teams that everybody has to sort of like. I know it's it might be their second team, but they've got a good system up there. Their stadium isn't great, but. Their their attendance isn't great either. It's just it was one of those weird things. I think English rugby, in terms of supporters, isn't quite up there with the standard that they're playing at the minute. And I don't know what the issue is there, but I think when we think of the English teams gone by, by, um, and sort of the Leinster, uh, French, uh, even like the Irish province dominance over the like the last sixteen quarterfinals, etc. The team like Sale coming through, you know, they've had Fafta Clerk, they've had, you know, they've had a couple of good, really good South Africans come through, and now they're just 
they, now they at the minute they've they've still got South Africans, but they're relatively more um unknown names and they're doing really good. They're doing brilliant. And I feel like that's I feel like everybody sort of needs to at the minute look up to sale and think they are you get your money's worth of sale, even if they do bring down a, a like a, a weaker team, they're just I feel like they're really, really well coached. Like really well coached. Yeah. It's just a good setup. It's just a really good setup. And it's really annoying because when when I went down to the AJ Bell Stadium, it, it there's have you ever been? No, I've no. driven past it on the motorway. That's the most. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like it's not even in Manchester. It's like outside of everything, and it's just kind of plugged there. It's a stadium plugged in the middle of the field, and it's so confusing to me. And I think no wonder they don't have the fan base that they could do, because it's it's a it, it it's really it's really good rugby every week, and they just don't have the fans to back it up. And I feel like that's why we always sort of downplay the English teams. Especially like sale. Yep, um, hundred percent agree with that. Like, I was really yeah. impressed with how yeah. well drilled they were. Like, yeah. you know, you might not have had superstars in in that kind of highly mm-hmm. rotated side, but they were all really well connected. They were up fast and getting the hits in. They were hitting their rocks, and yeah, a couple of moments of of some really really good play from them as well. And yeah, then at the very end, absolutely took advantage against 13, which teams don't always do. And, you know, it was quick hands across the back in a tw- in their own 22. And then the speed at which that break yeah. happened on the outside. um, Like, that was seriously impressive from them. They, they've got such a good setup in sale where, because um, I went to a university in the northwest of England, I would have seen uh, Manchester Metropolitan, their first team is sort of like an academy system for Sale Sharks. It's almost like Northumbria being for New- uh, Newcastle, but it seems that the man-met system is working pretty well. When you go and play man-met, they all have this man-met-like crest and the Sale Sharks crest on the other, and they all play the same rugby. It's almost like they're playing what the IRFU do with the provinces. Similar tactics, and if it works well, it works well. I feel like their system works so well and they're they're finding really good talent from this university as well. If you have this man met, like I don't know how many thousands would enroll in man met, but if you have really good players from there, they're just going to pick one by one and they will find players that are rapid, that are really quick and that could be well drilled because even their seconds team had a coach and their coach was um, a South African fella. And I remember turning around to lads and going, Lads were taking our own warm up. They've got a South African lad like helping out with their team, <laughs> traveling with their team. They've got a coach, you know. Like we were just like, oh, I was standing on the lineouts because I had to retire due to head injuries at the ripe old age of twenty one. So I was doing lineout refs, sort of helping with my with the back line, going, oh. but yeah, it, it, they just have such a well system, well run system. That's just so confusing because nobody ever hears about it. Absolutely. No one ever hears about it again. You could talk about like the fan view point of side, yeah. you know, point of it all. Don't have a whole lot of them. But to be fair, like one performance at the buy-in was incredible in the team on the night. Like Tommy Taylor, the hooker, supposedly looked at Burr Jackman and said, you know, something <laughs> along the lines of write us off now when they went into the into the sheds in the lead at halftime. So fair play to them in that regard. Like so many teams just roll over, take their beating in Europe. And you have to give credit where it's due as well. Um, 
another side you could possibly say that about the the first part about taking their beating was Rasting. Very disappointed performance. Ulster got their their bounce back win. There's no doubt about that. But <laughs> for a Rasting side who looked so good in the top fourteen, lost to Quinns at home, lost Ulster away. Really, really weird performance. At, like on with yourself, Adam, good year, Miller Keen. Big bounce back win for Ulster. Uh, yeah, but there, was... you do have the question marks because of the fact that Rossing were just didn't sure. look like Rossing. Um, I think Khaleesi was um like a ghost in that game. He came off after like fifty minutes, and I was just like, it. When he came off, I was just like, did he make as much as an impact? We our team was the strongest it could be. Bearing in mind that um. I think it was Matty Ray that st- it was Matty Ray that started eight, and he's not our strongest eight. It was his first time playing eight, and he was bouncing some of the lads in the wrestling pack like they were, you know, like it was in the AIL or you know a lower league URC, like a lower team in the URC. Um, it's an interesting, it's really interesting because you'd think that Stuart Lancaster would sort of know our game plan in and out when he was with Leinster, and he's now got. Now it always got a team that should perform, but don't. Um, they had a big pack. They had flashy backs, but I feel like with Rassing in the last couple of years, it's just been the same old story. Um, to put it into words, I I remember seeing Rassing a couple of years ago when they had Russell and Zebo, and it was sort of the same story: big names, flashy, flashy team does the team quite click? Is there an issue there? Um, Is there an issue sort of with language, possibly? You know, Khaleesi has only been in France for a few weeks now. Has he, you know, has he, well, he's been in, he's been in the country about three months now, I think about it with the World Cup, but has he learned enough about the culture of it? You know, um, Ardell, um, uh, Ardell even, he looks lost as well. It, it, it's sort of like a weird mix match of players to go into it. I feel like as an Ulster standpoint, we looked our backs looked as good as we did in COVID when sort of we had an empty stadium, but our backs were playing like they basically were told you could do what you want and play fast flowing rugby. I think it's as good as James Hume's perform performance that I've seen um for a while. Um since Certainly before the Ireland Day set up uh, that tour last year. I think that's as good as we've seen James Hume have played in a while. Um, Balakoon even got lots of ball. Stuart McCluskey got lots of ball. Mike Laurie in broken play. Um, Does that mean that we're on an upwards trajectory? I don't know. Because French teams, when French teams come to Belfast, it's always we always go. Oh, it's it's too cold, or the weather is going to completely knock them for six or something like that. But it just seemed odd. This racing team looked quiet and almost lost, and they didn't really bully us, which I expected to. I, I expect more of a bullying out of Connor on the weekend than I did racing this week. It was bizarre. It was a very strange game, and. Yeah. Like Keen, we could focus on wrestling and talk about how poor they were all day, but like Ulster do deserve their credit. At the same time, yeah. got the job done pretty efficiently, like really fast start. Knew exactly what they were going to do in terms of mall and set piece. And but the one thing that struck me was, I don't think I've seen an Ulster team play with that much freedom in a big game. 
in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, yeah. They looked happy. <laughs> to be playing that, if there's ever an indictment <laughs> of a coach it's that we're sitting here being like just did the players look happy what? for a change you know what though like uh, yeah mm-hmm. but you know also McFarland put in place I think the lab session paid huge dividends for them ahead of that game yeah um, I, I, I'm really predictable uh, those uh, tap tries Oh. Were all I could think about. I was I I, I, I went to sleep that night dreaming about them. <laughs> uh, they were they were wonderful, and you know, um, setting them up for the for the for the mall, the standing mall um, from the top or the top directly into a running like they're simple enough, but wonderfully executed, and they worked, and everyone seems like <laughs> really happy. <laughs> um, it's a wonderful I, thing. So I think. Oh, sorry. No, no. So I'm, I'm wondering. Do you think we'll see more of that, Adam? Um, yes, I think the big difference was Cooney was starting. Um, Cooney was starting. Um, I think Nathan, as I said before in round one, I think he's he's a very good nine at doing the basics right, but he's a little bit. He's like a yard pace slower, and I think that just comes with experience. I think Cooney getting on that pitch. Because he was on the bench for the last couple of weeks and we lost all those weeks. Cooney coming on, speeding up the ball. We we play off nine. I feel like um I think I read that Henderson brought in the tap idea. Henderson brought in the tap idea. And when you have your first two attachers being O'Toole and Kitsoff, you know, like to have that first push being those two and off Henderson. I feel like it's relatively unstoppable, even if you are a team like Racing, as it's shown. Um, we ha- Both of our front rowers, O'Toole and Kitsoff, played 77 minutes in the game. And Tom O'Toole didn't even look tired at the end of it. Kitsoff did relatively look tired, but what could you do? You know what I mean? Like They both played unbelievably. And I feel like, as you said, they looked happy. I feel like they've trained that week. Dan McFarlane coming out and saying that, oh, they just don't train. And sort of my whole Twitter um, meltdown of um, (laughs) where's the coaches? Why is the CEO not tweeting anymore? Uh, There still is that. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure if you ask me this time next week, I will still be skeptical, whatever the result is. There's something there's something there. I feel like the happiness and the creativity go hand in hand. And I do feel like it's it's John Cooney. And with Billy Burns being injured this week, I can't wait to see a partnership of Cooney and Flannery again. Because I feel like that's going to be really creative. Be more attacking impetus, won't there, with, oh, yeah. with those two? Oh, yeah. Because I think the last time that they played together, we won against the Sharks in Durban last year. Jesus yeah, we like we like you know what I mean, and that was Flannery's like third game for us, um, or third game that season. He, he hardly played, and now he's playing more and more. I feel like we need to settle him in more and let this big interpro with Billy Burns injured. We want to see a more attacking ten, in my opinion. We needed more attacking ten. Well, your opinion, Ulster fans all over the place. My opinion, Keane's opinion, but not Dan McFarland's. Apparently, no, um, no. and if there's ever an indictment that the players are good enough, it's the fact that Dwayne Peel has got to the Scarlets 
who don't have a squad as good as Ulster's and they're really, really struggling. But look at how good he made that Ulster squad. Like, he's not a bad yeah. coach. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jared, the players are there. Jared Payne um, is also in that squad setup as well. He is, as an which, attack coach, which, which I found weird. Yeah, which, like, is, to me, is, I, like, I only got reminded of it the other week, is went sort of under the radar that he's went there. But I would, I would honestly... I would take Leinster's checkbook and uh, write a million zeros to get them back for us. I I feel like we took a step backwards in the coaching setup that we have. If we were to talk about Ulster in a broader experience um, setup, um, getting back Johnny Bell after ten years where it didn't work, and he went to Gloucester, eh, didn't work. Then he came back as sort of mates rates. Um, Soper with sort of the skills coach was very good, but having him push into assistant coach, eh, his sort of past experience was head coach at Banbridge, and he's also at Inst. He was a teacher at Inst, and he went right into the Ulster setup, replacing Payne basically. Um, I just think it's very interesting how everything's set up at Ulster at the minute. And that's why I I was really happy with the win. Interesting. <laughs> well, no, You've got it's... to do the air quotes around. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, but it is just like giving giving jobs to the lads almost. It it is. It really is. It was like Ulster ten years ago when we had like a coaching setup of like, um, Neil Doak. Um, you know, we had like like loads of loads of former players. And it just didn't work. And we're sort of going back to that now. And it's not working still. I mean, no. if a former coach and former player of Mark McCall was to be appointed as Dan McFarlane's successor, I don't think we'd be talking about the jobs for the boys situation. <laughs> but oh, it is no, certainly no, no. prevalent oh, no. as well. I, I, <laughs> how do you know what's on my Christmas list? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that will never happen. Um, I think um, I, it was that was just a, a bit before my time. I was born in 2002, so I missed the glory years. I was three when we last won a trophy. Um, so I, I um, was Poor there. Keen is just feeling very young right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was like 10 and I was at the 20, I was at the 2012 final against Leinster. I, it was the first time I watched Ulster v Leinster. I saw us play Munster. I saw us play Edinburgh. I thought we were class. And then it, it ruined my childhood. Um, so there you go, Keen. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, rugby's been ruining childhoods for a lot longer than that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but I feel like ready they're... to just go. Let me tell you about the nineties as a rugby <laughs> fan. Oh Jesus, no, no, no! I'm not. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to talk about it. <laughs> it's only been thirty years. I do feel like there's a there's it's an institutional to rugby have this weird. For the boys mentality that's still there that I thought was going to go with Shane Logan leaving but it's just kind of stayed there with Petri. It's kind of, it's gotten worse I feel like with Petri but I mean players, ex-players per se is not a bad thing in and of itself but if it's the only thing then that makes it bad. I, I do think that um, with Mick Farland's case is that we have a lot of players like Sean Reedy um at the very start of the season, was at the start of the season or the end of last season, was sort of like as like a hidden journalist was kind of sort of speaking about um him sort of alienating players out if they don't agree with him. And that was what I was kind of worried about with John Cooney being on the bench. Um he would sort of pick on players like he, he turned to his LinkedIn page and write a ten thousand word piece about Ulster. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, it was like it was like there was like a, a, a like a sort of murmurings among the Ulster community that I don't think the players are quite happy still with McFarland, and I feel like McFarland giving them this sort of creative kick. We'll see on Friday, um, if we're going to go back to square one again. But I, I feel like McFarland needs to give more of the creative kick that we had at the very start of COVID, when Hume was on fire, Murr broke out that season. Um, Laurie broke out that season. That was the first real Mike Laurie season. Um, but I feel like we need a more attacking ten, and a, and a couple of more South Africans. <laughs> Which is I mean, just is, why not? You know, a couple more World Cup winners never did anyone oh, yeah. any yeah. any like, harm in there. We 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 don't have enough money for it because of everything that happened last season with frozen pitch gate and things like that. Oh yeah. That's, that's the only reason. That's the, that's reason. the well, only yeah. reason. It's, it's, it's that it's, uh, um, I feel like, yeah, I, it's, yeah. Cause trust me, if Henderson didn't get that central contract, we'd be bankrupt. <laughs> we would be bankrupt and yeah. he'd probably be off in France somewhere. Yeah. I mean, maybe he'd be better off playing for Ulster is very, very stressful. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, there's no doubt about that. Just before we leave it tonight, lads, I just want to have a quick look ahead to the next four to six weeks. Always a pivotal point in the season. I know Interpros, if if you come away at one out of two wins, it's it's decent going. But Keane, firstly, Leinster have Munster away on Stevens Day, Ulster home on New Year's Day. They've got a break, then it's Stanford say oh, at home and Leicester Tigers away. It's Leinster. They should be targeted four wins from that. What's your expectation? Yeah, um, I'll rattle through these. Uh, Munster waiting on team sheets, but the uh, the current rumours are that Leinster will go with a strong selection uh, with Munster's current injury list. That's not what you want to hear, but it's it's for Munster, I think. It's it's for morale. It's a must win um, at this point. Um, it, it always so. is for Leinster, though, as well. It should be said. like For all the talk of the rivalry's dead, it's like, yeah, that's because Leinster fans, Leinster players, absolutely feel the need to win this game. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it's a must win for both teams all the time anyway, but it's like you've been kicked up a notch here, Um, I think, by everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, which I'm not going to go into any detail about because you're going to say pineapples. <laughs> uh, so Ulster. <laughs> Again, very much depends on selections. Um, I'd say confidence is pretty high after that win against Racing. Um, so take a scalp off Connacht, and they will be itching to keep that streak going. Um, you know, a fresh two win streak. Uh, so they could well be rolling into Dublin with a bit of form. And if that's the case, it's kind of it's kind of anyone's best. If <laughs> Leinster play a strong team against Munster, they'd probably rotate against Ulster. So you'd never know. That could be that could be the one to watch. Um if you're an Ulster fan. Um Stad <laughs> Stad currently bottom of the Champions Cup group on one point. Uh, they are done. <laughs> They're all but sunk at this point. Like even with the how easy it is to get out of a group, um at this stage they'd be lucky to get um Challenge Cup. Um they're fifth in the top fourteen at the moment though. Um they've got La Rochelle, Toulon, and Clermont right before this fixture. And then they'll play Stormers at home and Bordeaux away after. So they are going to send the Espoir to Dublin. Absolutely nailed on. Um, I can't imagine they're going to give that much of a shake at all. And then Leicester, 
currently second in the Champions Cup group, uh, just behind Leinster on equal log points. Um, but they have arguably their two most difficult fixtures to come yet. Uh, they're seventh in the Premiership table. Um, they've got Exeter, who are sixth, uh, Bath, who are second, and Saracens, who are fourth. And then are playing La Rochelle away before they get to us. Um, and they've got Quinns the following week or third in the Premiership. So I kind of think it kind of hinges on the result against La Rochelle uh, to some extent. I think they're in a pretty decent position at the moment in the pool. But um, yeah, depending on how that goes, they, they they still may well front up even if they don't win that um, because they're in a decent enough position to come out of it mid-table at least anyway, even with three wins. So that could be a very sticky away game for Leinster, I think. They're they're sticky, but not ones you'd think they'd lose. I think that's that's actually I said this before. That's probably a good thing for Leinster. Like Burn Jackman made the same point on RTE today. Like if they'd went and beat Sale by fifty points, it'd be no good to them. Yeah. They might do that to Stad, don't get me wrong, but like Munster, Ulster very unlikely, and Leicester away in particular, very unlikely. It's it's no harm. It's re- it really isn't. I am yeah, I'm up, up, really up, up. Uphill struggle is, is is that's what builds, you know. Yeah, it's what builds character. Um, I'm really struggling to to get my words out now. The this flu is just taking over because it's it's nighttime. It's just normal. But <laughs> I'll touch on Munster before we get to Ulster. Munster have Leinster at home, as we mentioned. They've got Connacht away in the sports ground on New Year's Day. They've got Toulon away and Northampton away. Like after the Glasgow game, I was looking at Munster's run of fixtures and thinking we should win every game from here to the Six Nations. Or maybe not the Connacht game because you might have to rotate heavily. Now it's like we have to win. We have to win at least on Stevenson's or New Year's Day, and we have to win at least at home to Northampton. It's just like talk about a, a change in in fortune, really, really quickly. But that's as we said, you can't always point and look at injuries because every team is injuries. You have to adapt. <clears throat> you have to improve. You look at how. You know, chances come from from nothing. You look at Thomas Ahern at six, he's been a revelation. You know, you look at John Honda's kicked on. Jack Crowley's been brilliant. Yeah, he's played a heap of minutes, but he's been fantastic for us. You know, Sean O'Brien had his best game on the wing so far at the weekend. You do have to take those chances. And, like, they need to get two wins for those games. You know, like, they can't afford to be heading into the Six Nations period again on the outside looking in and put themselves under more pressure with a trip to South Africa to come, which, as we've said before, is kind of tough, like, kind of, especially when you have to go to Pretoria. Whatever about the rest of the places, no one wants to go to Pretoria. They they don't lose there. Like, I know you're the kings of the hard way. But, like, you, <laughs> We're taking the fucking piss. You is, don't have yeah. to do it every single time and then make it harder <laughs> every single time. Come on! <laughs> I know, Keen. It's, it's so, like Graham Rouchy said, we're basically, number one, he said, we're, king, we're kings the hard way. Not in those exact words. Number two, he said, we're basically giving teams early Christmas presents. Um, and both are, are very, very true. The same could have been said about Ulster last year. We'll, we'll discuss them really quickly, Adam. Connacht at home, Leinster away, Toulouse at home, Quinns away. What are you expecting? Um, I'm really worried by your your lad's um, use of the word rotate. Um, <laughs> because if I was Ulster, I would not rotate for any of these games and just risk it. Um, I feel like we need our strongest team for. Uh, it, it's a really, it's. I'd say the Ulster, the Ulster Connacht game really hinges our season, um, more than the Leinster Ulster game, uh, in my opinion. Um, I'm quite worried for last week having both of our front rows, um, playing seventy seven minutes, um, 
will we see them come off the bench or will they play a 50 minute game and then that's how they're managed um that's going to be a difficult game um the Leinster Ulster game that's another difficult game it's just i feel like it's our we are coming into the business end of the season for an Ulster fan because the Toulouse Ulster game at home we we need to win that because Harlock wins away is difficult in itself um to lose their own unbelievable form as they normally are they're they're one of the top four teams in europe um uh they're trying to they're going for another title we need to beat them at home harlequins at the stoop they're on the same amount of points as us at the minute um they would want to be going for something they would have they have cardiff the week before and you know you would bank on it that the harlequins are going to are going to be Cardiff. I feel like they would absolutely try and throw the kitchen sink at us to try and get into a spot above where we are at the minute. Um, because when you look at Bath's sort of in the same pool, Bath have Racing and Toulouse. So I think Harlequins are looking to leapfrog Bath. I feel like Ulster are looking to leapfrog Bath. I feel like everyone has a has a difficult game in that pool, to be perfectly honest. And as an Ulster fan that was was an optimist. Uh, was an optimist a year or two ago. I'm very skeptical about the interprovincial games as well. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Uh, the Ulster Connacht game um, is really up in the air for me. Um, I do see us winning. Uh, I hope by ten points. Um, the Ulster Leinster game. Oh. <laughs> it's one of those where I've been to so many Ulster Leinster games at the RDS and I've only seen them win once <laughs> um, so what can you do I would love it I would love it if we won um, if Leinster were to have a rotated squad and we were to send down a, a stronger team um, I would say that we'd put in a good shift against them but I feel like we also need to look at sort of the Challenge Cup spots with the next European games um, and getting a win at to lose would almost definitely sort of solidify that challenge cup spot um, because I'd say we'd have a good crack at it um, I would hope um, and that's yeah that's my rundown of the next four games I just kind of hope that we get sort of two wins out of the four um, three wins would be lovely and four wins would be unbelievable Keen, <laughs> uh, I'm going to come to you for Connacht uh, I'm sorry I didn't get you to prep this you don't have your usual 75 pages of notes for this question um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah 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 okay <laughs> but they have Ulster away as we mentioned Munster at home then it's Leon away and Bristol at home well like it's not e- it's not hard it's not impossible but it's not easy uh, it's a tough run it's a tough run <laughs> Bristol might be their best chance <laughs> Uh, which is which is weird to say. Like Leon are doing all right um, in the top fourteen. So Brit and Bristol are kind of there and abouts, but not great at the moment. Um, and definitely have their own issues. Uh, probably be nice for them to see Pat again, but Kieran Marbian, don't forget Kieran Marbian. Marms, yeah, oh, yeah, see, yeah. Oh, sorry, no. Course, the most conduct thing is for Kieran Marmy to score a winning try against him, so yeah, uh, of course, uh, yeah, that's God, the most I didn't know what, I didn't yeah. know what it's, I didn't know what it's um, going to be like that day. 
<laughs> yeah, you'd have to imagine they are going to have to try and win one of those games, one of those Interpro games. They may well be targeting the Monster game. I think they will. I think that's the one you target. I think they will it? because it's the home game. They win it quite oh, regularly. Like. Yeah, yeah, I know. Look, um, yeah, they've got to target one of them. It's the home one. Yeah. They're hurting at the moment. The hurt's probably not over yet. I'd say they're not gonna. They're not gonna be happy coming away from Ulster. I don't think. So yeah, they're gonna target that monster game. Sorry. Um, yeah. and then Leon, I think, will probably be a bridge too far from them away from home. Um, unfortunately, I'd say. But, Bristol. Bristol play Bulls at home in the in the in the third round. They yeah. could well lose that game by more than seven points. In which case, um if Connacht don't take an absolute beating. Sorry, if they got five points, if they got a bonus point win against Bristol at home, they could get a challenge cup spot. Mm-hmm. By the way, looking at the table there, which actually wouldn't be a bad return, and I honestly think Challenge Cup, given a good, proper go by Connacht, would actually be really good for them. I, I think that's the same with Ulster. I think we saw with Leinster winning the Challenge Cup that sort of started. Uh, yeah, that's do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, no, it didn't at all. I think that started sort of like. Um, like, I know he's won the Heineken Cup and stuff like that many times before, but I feel like that was sort of a weird stage at Leinster when you just won the Challenge Cup. Like, it didn't do his harm. It just built, you built on from that. Look, a trophy's a trophy. Oh, yeah. It's not I'd a love trophy. <laughs> I love a trophy. <laughs> Even dub caps count. So if there's any clause in Orcus Neyman's contract um, about winning trophies, dub caps do count. Just saying. Um, and then it's a win-win for absolutely everyone. Gentlemen, we'll leave it at that tonight. It's been a pleasure, as always, having you join me this evening. And as always, thanks to Adam, to Keen, and to everyone for, for tuning in for this comprehensive look back. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any comments, opinions, questions, podcast ideas, you can tweet us at KLLS Rugby. You can comment on our YouTube, find our podcast, KLLS Rugby Podcast. We're also on Instagram and on Blue Sky at KLLS Rugby and on Threads. Um, I... I 2024 prediction. We're all going to forget what either Blue Sky or Threads is by 2024. Oh, but we don't know which yeah. one yet. That's the only thing. <laughs> 2023 was a big opening year for this podcast, but it won't stop there. Expect big interviews, wall to wall Six Nations coverage with potentially the lads that I'm talking to right now. Who knows? And then a fair share of provincial chat as well. So stay tuned for that. As always, thanks at home again to everyone for listening. Thanks to the lads for joining me. If you like what you see here, please do subscribe. But for now, and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.